I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Have you ever watched an apocalyptic sci-fi movie and wondered, could any of this really happen? I'm Carrie Bechet, and on Hypothetical, we explore what-if questions two ways, through speculative science fiction and through insight from the world's most brilliant scientists. And spoiler alert, your favorite sci-fi movies aren't nearly as far-fetched as you may think. Time travel with me into our possible futures on Hypothetical. New episodes every Tuesday available on all podcast apps. That's Hypothetical, H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L. I just was like, they cannot see me this way. I'm, I'm just, I'm worth nothing if they see me this way, right? Like, so dramatic. <laughs> anyway, sure enough, Libby Goldstein sees me. And she's excited to see me because she remembered my audition from a week ago. Mm. And she wanted to talk to me about it. But I'm like covering my head. I'm trying to walk away. I'm putting this like cater waiter dish. You're like, like you don't see me. <laughs> and she grabs me. And now I can't escape. Yeah. She grabs me and she's like, Gloria. And I'm like, hi, pretending I'm just noticing her, right? Hello, world, and welcome back to another episode of Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. I hope you all had a fantastic New Year's Eve, holiday, all of the above. Welcome to 2023. Uh, I I hope you all have a lot of fun things. Do you do resolutions? Um, I don't like resolutions. I think that you should do resolutions like throughout the year. I do do like goals. Like, I want to focus on this. Or, you know, last year my I had a goal of seeing more friends because we didn't get to see friends the year before. Um, and so I did. And that was a nice one. Anyway, do you do, you do that? Let me know. Send me a message on Instagram. 
If this is your first time tuning in, this is the show where I speak to fellow actors about their journey in the industry, and I make them share some bad audition stories with me. It's always uh, a joy and a lot of fun. Um, If you're not following the show on social media, make sure to do that right now. And if you're not subscribed, what are you doing? Hit that subscribe button. Um, But if you go to Instagram, you can see some exclusive videos and some other fun things happening over there. Um, I'm really going to try to focus on building more content for you all this year. Um, I've even thought about doing a Patreon. We'll see. Um, Hey, there's a goal. (laughs) More content. Uh, I feel like everyone's always like more content, more content, more content. And then I get overwhelmed by the content. But no, we are living in a content age. Here we are. Anyway, all this to say, please go follow us on Instagram. Today on the show, we have Gloria Garayua. You may remember her from Grey's Anatomy, How to Get Away with Murder, Lego Friends, or her breakout role in Fun with Dick and Jane. We had a lot of fun talking, and it was a pleasure to get to know her. So here's my conversation with Gloria. And welcome to the show, Gloria! Hello, Jillian! You're here! You've made it! (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have to go very far. (laughs) It's true. It's true. You had to follow the link um, that was sent to you. (laughs) And put on a nice shirt (laughs) yeah it's okay if you're wearing pajama bottoms I am so it's all right how'd you know (laughs) yeah oh man I may have some sweatpants on (laughs) yeah I mean what's the point of putting on like a full outfit if you're only gonna see from chest up you know there's no there's no reason to change we're being efficient efficient Um, well, I'm very excited to have you on the show today. You've been in some wonderful stuff, and we recently met. Um, we were both on a panel for Women in Film, yes. which was very fun. Super cool. So glad I met you there. You're Me so too. delightful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, you're delightful as well. And um, it was it was so much fun to get to know you and, and all the other incredible women on the panel. Um, but so that everybody at home knows who you are and what you've done, uh, I would like to go back to the beginning of your acting career and ask you why you got into this industry. Okay. <laughs> the beginning, huh? The very beginning. I got beginning. into this industry because I knew in my heart I wanted to follow a creative path. Mm. But I got to tell you, it came late in my life. Um, as you know, I coach actors as well, and I meet young people who know what they want to do. And I'm mm-hmm. like, how do they know what they want to do at such a young age? So I thought I knew that I wanted to be an actress, but I, I honestly only thought aliens were actors, <laughs> a child's mind. Okay. Um, so I thought, well, the, the other reasonable thing to do, clearly I'm not an alien. So therefore I can't be an actor. Um, I have to be a doctor because that's what Barbie is and that's what I have to do. So I thought, oh, I'll just study science and stay super focused on that. And then Honestly, I always did acting, always did uh, choir. I love to sing, all that. I just never really danced as a kid. That's the only thing I didn't do that most girls do growing up. Um, And then finally, I was just like, I really like this too much. Can't I learn how to do it? Like, do I really have to be an alien or can I just learn it? So I thought, I'm going to just try to learn it. So when it was like junior year high school and it was time to pick a major in college, I chose acting. And, you know, my parents didn't really hate me for it. They actually were quite supportive, but they did ask me to have a backup, which I never thought of a backup. Mm-hmm. I think to this day, I don't even have a backup. I think me teaching is just like a natural supplementary way to be an actor. Um, 
I just, I'm, I'm glad I didn't because it really forced me to do the thing that I studied. Um, Although sometimes when I'm like, God, I haven't worked in a while. Should I have had a backup? It's too late now. Like, you just got to pursue yeah, your no, thing. It's, it's too late. We are too far into this at this point. It, there's no going back. So I guess that's why. I just, I knew I had a creative drive and I just wanted to try it. And I proved myself right. You can learn how to act. Okay, wait. So yeah. do you know, have you figured out where this alien theory has come from? Yeah. Or how did uh, this nothing- happen? nothing to do with Scientology. I had no idea. (laughs) Just, just, isn't it interesting the way a child's mind works? I just convinced myself that these people were beamed into the television because they were aliens. Convinced. Convinced. So here I am a full on teenager and I'm just thinking to myself, I can't do that because I'm not one of those people, whoever they are. And then whoever might be human has a parent or a family in the industry who hooked them up. I literally know no one in the industry. I grew up in the Bronx. I mean, I was just so far away from anything showbiz related Mm. that it just felt so out of touch. And um, anyway, I made it happen. But (laughs) needless to say, like, typical cliche, like when I first moved here, super, super hard. Yeah. Such a struggle. The, the emotional side of it, the mental side of it. Um, and I like physically drove myself into the ground because I just was like, I think my job as an actor is to pound the pavement every day, all the time yeah. until someone says you're hired. So I literally did that. I just went to any audition that I could make work in my schedule, even if I wasn't qualified. I just went to auditions constantly. Um, when I finally joined a union, obviously I had to stop going to non-union auditions. Right. Always going to non-union because there's a ton of that, right? Yeah. Going to anything, TV, theater, film, commercial, whatever I could find. So the beginning was just exhausting. I think it's still exhausting, but at least now I have direction. (laughs) Yeah. Just doing it all. Well, and it's funny too, because now the, the grinding of the pavement these days is done from your own home. (laughs) Like, like this, I had an in-person callback yesterday and I was like, what is, what is this? I'm in a room with people and I like, I forgot how to function for a second and then like it all clicked back in, you know, but it was like, what the heck? And I've had actors on the show who started acting in like 2019 and I've never had an in-person audition. It's just so wild. Like things are so different now. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I have heard that before. Some of my students have have started acting recently too. Um, but to me, and not that I like talking about age, but like I've been around the block, right? And I'm right. like, what? It's just daunting to even think of it. And honestly, the only good thing about teaching younger people is that they keep me young. But whenever <laughs> I refer to a person or a movie and they have no idea what I'm talking about, that's when you go... Okay. <laughs> and you're just like, deep breath. I got to yes. get through this. <laughs> I don't um, know who's cool now and who's not. <laughs> My references are dated. Who knows? Um, so you, you go to college, you move out here, you start grinding, doing the hustle. And then how long is it until you book that like first union job where you were like, ooh, mom and dad, this is something to write home about? So your your viewers and followers and listeners are going to hate me now. So what happened was, <laughs> yes, I booked my first audition. But let me explain. <laughs> okay. 
before everyone hates me and thinks I had it easy. So when I graduated college, I stuck in New York. That's where I'm from. That's where I went to college for a few years. Mm-hmm. Auditioning, working, mostly theater, auditioning and and um and just doing like jobs to make money, right? Like I was a cater waiter. Yeah. Um, what else did I do? I was a temp. Anyway, when I moved out here, I moved with a job, theater in mm-hmm. San Diego. And I just decided I'm not gonna go back. I'm gonna stay <laughs> here and get a car and see what happens. So the pressure was on to make this move work because I knew no one in California. I mm. literally used all my savings plus borrowed some to buy a rinky-dinky car. So what I did to make sure that I was um, somewhat covered, I uh, did a showcase for actors. And it was so expensive. But I did the showcase, and I literally was the only person who got an agent out of it. Wow. I got an agent out of it. And so she sent me on my first audition. And I remember at the time, I had this job. I lied through my teeth to get this job because I was so desperate for money. I was the assistant to a sports merchandising company president. What? I don't don't know anything about sports. Basically, I had to check all his email, answer the emails for him. And I I don't know how I got through that job. Anyway, one day, and this was in Woodland (laughs) Hills, I'm like, I have an audition down in uh, Wilshire Boulevard at a certain time. How am I going to do this? So I... I didn't want my boss to think I'm typical actor leaving for auditions, so I lied and said I'm basically dying. I had to go see a specialist. Like, they couldn't see through that, right? She she bought it, but I think she was just being polite. So then I go to the audition, and it was for fun with Dick and Jane. Which oh, my Park, gosh. Which I ended up booking, but I remember, so I did the audition. I thought I was terrible. I left there in tears. Nothing Oh, my God. Happened, but I left there in tears because I felt like I did not put to practice my four years of college of actor training, and I just did a terrible job. And I went back to the uh, the office, and I thought, well, I guess this is what I do now. I work <laughs> in an office where I don't know what I'm doing. And listen, a few days after that was July 4th. I had booked myself a trip to go back home because I needed the peace of mind. Mm. So I go, when I come back, which was just about a week later, I get a call back for the movie, and it was really just the director wanted to talk to me. I think he just knew how new I was. Mm. and um so we talked they brought in the little boy that ended up booking the movie as well they wanted to see our chemistry but nobody called this a chemistry read this was literally my second time and they just said the director wants to chat that's all that was proposed to me but I thought well I better just in case he makes me do it again and uh after that second meeting I had booked the job but it took a month before they called so for a full month I was still broke and figuring out what I was going to do so I did book my first job, but it didn't happen like overnight. There was a lot of uh, a long journey before yeah. that actually came into my life. So that's how that happened. And then I booked my second job and I thought it was going to be easy like that forever. <laughs> no. Immediately I realized, oh no, I just got lucky. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We have to talk about fun with Dick and Jane. I love that movie so much. I felt like. I remember when it came out because I was like, why isn't everybody talking about this movie? Because I was so obsessed with it. I thought it was like the funniest thing I'd ever seen. I love yeah. Jim Carrey. So um, I I absolutely loved it. And I have to know what it was like working with him. I mean, a legend. And it was just <laughs> like, no, just like, I mean, I can't even imagine like trying to like keep up with him like improv wise and what, how that was for you. Especially being so, so new. 
I was new and I was young and I look back at those days and I think, God, if I only had different guidance, mm. I could have done something different. If I, mm. I should have gotten a publicist, right? I mean, I did get a publicist uh, because my makeup lady said I had to. <laughs> like she realized nice. no one was helping me, right? I had no one. I had just moved to LA and then I booked this thing. And I had, I had no one. I mean, my agent was grateful that I booked the job, but she knew how new I was. So she was just kind of letting me have the experience. Mm. So the makeup lady was like, you need to get a publicist. And I'm like, what's that? And, and so she put me in touch with a few people, my makeup lady. I met with a few people. I couldn't believe what they were charging. Oh, it's insane. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I like negotiated a deal because I think I made this guy feel guilty. I'm like, that's too much. How do you justify that? So he's like, look, all right, we'll strike a deal. And I said, I just want this into the movie premieres and then no more. Yeah. <laughs> so I did do that. But if I had had proper guidance, I think I would have handled things differently, knowing mm-hmm. now what I had and I didn't realize I had. What I did know I had at that time was just my first job and an amazing opportunity. And I was a trained actor, so I was good at doing the thing they hired me for. What I think I wasn't good at was the networking, like behind the mm-hmm. scenes. When I wasn't working, I kind of just sat still. And waited for people to talk to me as opposed to me creating relationships and connections. Again, I was so new. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jim Carrey was awesome, uh, <laughs> super kind and sweet, and believe it or not, humble and calm. The only time he ever became the Jim Carrey we know of was uh, one day we had a bunch of extras. I would say we had like 100 extras, and Ooh. I saw him turn on. But alone with me or Taya Leone or the kid that played the child, he was just really kind and sweet and calm. And I thought, this is Jim Carrey. So it was just <laughs> seeing a different side of him. And I, I loved it. And, and Taya was very sweet to me and the director was sweet. So the whole thing was a wonderful experience. And I'm so glad my first job ever was a comedy because mm. I think I just, I was still learning about the camera and how to work with the camera and how to hit my mark and how to not deliver everything as if I'm on stage, right? Like, <laughs> no need to project. Yes. <laughs> Gloria, the audio guy is now deaf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, it was a wonderful experience. Thank you for asking. <laughs> I just, I, I think that movie is so flippin' funny. Um, so it's, it's so cool that you were able to have that experience. It's such a young actor, too. I mean, I feel like when you're in your 20s, especially – the people that you work with really shape your own work because Mm. it's like you're learning from these people that you're watching. I mean, I look at, you know, especially kids too, kid actors. Like you look at somebody like Dakota Fanning and you're like, well, how could she not be great? She worked with Sean Penn. She worked with this person. Like she learned from these great people. And so for you to have that experience learning from Taya and Jim and all of those people so new to the industry. I mean, that's so exciting. And super intimidating. I mean, I, I, I found out I got the job and we didn't shoot for another month. And I basically spent that whole month, like just mentally preparing myself <laughs> to work with these great people and yeah. to not be scared of them or starstruck. I had to convince myself not to. And it, it was fine. Once I worked with them, I realized, oh, they're human too, but still on camera trying to improvise with masters of improvisation is is definitely intimidating. So you, I think the only way to learn in this industry is to get thrown in mm-hmm. and do it. So true. <laughs> We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we'll be right back. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. 
And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. And back to the show. Speaking of being thrown in, um, let's talk about Grey's Anatomy, since you were thrown into like the biggest television show ever when you yeah. started it. Um, yeah. which I was and still am obsessed with that as well. You're just in a lot of my favorite things. Um, I, Grey's Anatomy is like, that's my show. It started when I was, you know, 12, I think, or 13. So it's like I grew oh, up wow. with that show. It's like, it's oh, like wow. my soap opera. Um, okay. but, yeah. <laughs> but you were, you were on three seasons. Is that right? Three seasons. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And- so if you were just 12 or 13, my goodness, then when you first were introduced to my face, you were probably under 20 still. Yeah, yeah. I think I was probably like 16-ish oh, when you that. were on that. Um, how was that for you? I mean, that show had already become like the number one TV show. Yeah. And to join something like that. I don't, I was very, very stressed. I mean, I was happy, but I knew what I was walking into, right? Yeah. Um, when I... Well, first of all, when I got the audition, I thought my role was huge because they were mock sides, but I didn't know that. So I had this role I was auditioning for and it was three pages and I was like the hero in the scene and (laughs) (laughs) and I booked it and I was like, oh my God, like I'm such a kick-ass character. I got so much to do on the show. And then I realized what was happening, you know, for confidentiality reasons, Mm -hmm. they created these sides for actress to audition with. And so what I was really hired for was to be one out of many interns and I thought well this is still good I'm still on a great show I just hope they give me a line here and there (laughs) so my first day episode uh, season four four, I was trying my hardest to like stand out (laughs) because there are so many interns and I thought I've just gotta I just gotta be good that's all I just be good and I just remembered 
really living every moment. Mm. And I think the camera guys caught on to that because I noticed in that episode, they kept going to me. And I mm. think it's because I was living in the moment. So it was the deer episode. And so Oh, I love reacting. that episode. Oh, yeah. It was fun to work with the deer. It's not your typical animal on set. No. <laughs> so once they did that to me, I go, huh, they've showcased me. Maybe this will get better. And before you knew it, they would give me a line, more lines. By season five, I was in almost every episode. And then season six was the one with the hospital shooting. Right. Which, I mean, yeah. So what happened was no one told us, well, okay. So we never got the script before the day of the, of the table read. This is how things were handled in the analog days. We mm-hmm. were not digitally sending copies to actors in those days. And I have been on shows where, because they were so concerned that they would literally messenger you a script so that it was a hard copy only, right? Grace wasn't like that. Grace, you showed up and you saw the script for the first time. So when I showed up to that table read and discovered that many of us died, first of all, I couldn't get up from my seat. I yeah. literally was like, did I just lose a job? What did I do? And I looked around and none of the interns could get up either. The series regulars got up and went about their day, but we all just sat there depressed. And so it was noticed by everyone else, like all the execs and casting. They're like, oh my God, we failed to call and tell the interns. Oh my God. So sure enough, casting calls me that day and they were so lovely. Um, And she goes, listen, we're we're not going to fire you. You're going to stay on. And, you know, I was so pleased when they made that call, but I thought it still doesn't take away what happened in that moment. Like I was devastated. Yeah. Because who dies? (laughs) Percy dies and the, the girl dies, right? There were two of the interns. (laughs) Well, yeah, but like two of the interns died. I don't remember. It was so long ago. So what they did was they kept their promise. They kept me on, but they only kept me on for two more episodes. And Mm. then they just never called again. And my storyline literally went nowhere. So needless to say, I don't watch Grey's Anatomy anymore. (laughs) Oh, no. It was a wonderful experience, but it was an odd way to get off of a show. Mm. Very, very odd. Um, But my agent and I at the time, because I have a different agent now, we talked about it. We're like, this was the best thing that could have happened in my career. I mean, I literally joined a show while it was hot. Yeah. And then I got plenty of feature time and it has definitely elevated my career. Uh, it's a great pitching point for the agent and it's fine to move on. It's okay mm-hmm. to move on. And I learned, wow, it really is okay to have had this amazing experience and look forward to new experiences. And it's been years and I've been just fine. <laughs> so it's right. fine. Yeah. Well, and you know, that there's so much truth in that because you see some actors that get stuck on shows and then they just are there for a long time. And some people love it. Some people have families and that's what they need. They need to do this for their family and that is what works for them. But, um, you know, there's plenty of people who leave shows after extended periods of time and are like, oh my God, I spent so much time doing this. Right. And they've lost the skill to audition. Mm-hmm. They don't remember how to do that because they've been working as as one character for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, many people have that trajectory and do manage to find success elsewhere. Um, but I think the key is to leave when the time is right. Now, I never would have left unless I was <laughs> whatever that was. I don't, yeah. know, I don't even know how you would describe that. I was literally just never spoken of again. <laughs> I evaporated. You did. Um, 
He went to yeah. another dimension. The aliens took you. <laughs> the aliens. Oh, God, they got me. They got you. But then years later, I mean, because I was like, when are they going to call me back to another, like, Rhonda Shimes? Uh, <laughs> Rhonda Shimes. Rhonda Shimes. <laughs> I just I just blessed her with a different name. Um, show. So I auditioned for Scandal a bunch and never got on. And I'm like, ah. Oh, why aren't I an automatic shoe-in since I was on Grey's for so long? But no, you, I, just like most actors in town, had to audition and earn it. So I finally got on How to Get Away with Murder. Right. And that was a great experience because yet again, I was thrust into another hot show. Mm-hmm. And I think as an actor, because trust me, I've been on shows where you start from the ground up, like a pilot that does, doesn't go anywhere or straight to series that also goes nowhere. So- yep. You just never know. You could you could get a booking, but you don't know where it will lead. Mm-hmm. So to get on something that's hot already is, is just a gift. It's just a gift. It really is. I <laughs> yeah. mean, it's just such a – because it, it doesn't happen much, especially now. I feel like it's so difficult because there's so much content. There's so much going on. There's so many shows. And, yeah. like, Amazon and Hulu and Netflix, like, they're all canceling shows after, like, one season, just nonstop. And so yeah. it feels like no shows are getting that momentum anymore that those Shonda yeah. shows had, you know, five, right. five years ago. It just feels all so like, well, we did a season. Let's move on. And it's like, no, no, no. Let's get that momentum again. So to and- join two of them, I mean, my God, woman, yeah, what yeah. luck do you have? <laughs> that I can't believe it. I'm so grateful. Um, I was going to say something else. Oh, that now that we're in this um, era of... <clears throat> binging mm-hmm. there's harm to that too mm-hmm. because you can watch something in a day and then you move on so then there's like right. little value to the episode so i even though it is annoying that um certain shows are dropping an episode every week because they're like oh cliffhanger have to wait another week but it's that joy again of i can't wait to see that show and then right. for a full week you're talking with people about last time's episode, right? Mm-hmm. So back when I was on Grey's, that's what it was. You know, and I joined very early on. And same thing with how to get away with murder. I forget what season I was on now. I don't remember. But <laughs> yeah, it was so hot. And all of those actors have gone on to do other things. I don't think there's anyone not working. No. So yeah. Um, well, I mean, we could talk about a thousand different things because you've been on a thousand things. Um, but on this show, we like to share audition stories uh, from the past. And I'm wondering if you have an audition story you would like to share with the listeners. Yeah, I have a, a great story. It's it's kind of outdated. I don't even know if you were born, but I'll share <laughs> something that happened in the early 2000s. <clears throat> so I had only been in LA a few years and this particular January, I was so sick. I had a fever. Oh, it was the January after Fun with Dick and Jane had just premiered. So it premiered around Christmas time of, mm-hmm. I don't know, I think it was 05. And so 06, I was spent, spent. I mean, I had, I told you I hired a publicist for that. So I didn't realize the circuit, mm-hmm. <laughs> like talking about a show you just did and how exhausting it can be. Mm. Even though it's fun, it is exhausting going from thing to thing to thing. And I was still so new at it that I didn't realize what I was walking into. So come January, my body said, great, now that you're done, we're going to finally relax and force yeah. you to relax by getting sick. So I was really sick. And uh, an audition came in for Ugly Betty. Do you remember that show? I loved Ugly Betty. Oh, okay. Good, good. So Ugly Betty, 
um, had its roots in South America. It was originally in Spanish, and then they made it into an American show. And I'm so glad I had the opportunity to audition for that. But I was so sick that I said to mm. my agent, I can't go. I, I, I can't talk. I can barely breathe. And my eyes are watery. There's no way I can walk into this audition and do a good job. And she said, believe it or not, most of my actors do better when they're sick. And it's because they have that obstacle to overcome. So when you have a struggle like that and you achieve it, um, you actually do better than you think. And I thought, oh, whatever, I can't fight her. I'm too sick to fight her. I'm just gonna go. <laughs> so as I was practicing for this audition, I thought I better come up with like a, a joke of how I'm going to blow my nose because I couldn't go five seconds without blowing it. So I'm like, I'm going to have to do something, incorporate it into the comedy that I whip out a tissue out of nowhere and like put it into the comedic rhythm that I blow because I needed to blow hard. Like I did. I literally like orchestrated an audition that basically like accommodated my cold. <laughs> and I, I was like, no one's going to want to sit next to me in the lobby. It's going to be obvious I'm sick. Well, because I'm kind and I don't want to spread my germs and I am grateful when people, you know, protect themselves from me. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to go to the audition fully covered up. This is before masks, right? Uh, gloves. I'm not going to touch anything. I'm just going to sit in my corner <laughs> with all oh my, my, my coat, my hat, my scarf. Everyone looked at me like I was a weirdo. And when they called me in, everything comes off and I go in and I'm like, I just got to do it once and I just got to give it a hundred percent. And then I'm just going to crash because I'm going to be so tired. Yeah. So I did it with the nose honk and all, like I whipped out my tissue. It was in my shirt and I like, I just did it. I did it so good. I got every laugh I wanted to get. I nailed it. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to be Betty. Like I'm going <laughs> to, I'm, I'm going to book this. And uh, sure enough, once I got better from my fever and cold, about a week later, I had this catering job and it was for the premiere 300. Oh, wow. And, and the casting people of Ugly Betty were there. And I was so embarrassed. I didn't want them to see me. This is before I understood that most actors had a side hustle. I just was like, they cannot see me this way. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm worth nothing if they see me this way, right? Like, so dramatic. <laughs> anyway, sure enough, Libby Goldstein sees me. And she's excited to see me because she remembered my audition from a week ago. Mm. And she wanted to talk to me about it. But I'm like covering my head. I'm trying to walk away. I'm putting this like cater waiter dish. You're like, like you don't see me? <laughs> and she grabs me. And now I can't escape. Yeah. She grabs me and she's like, Gloria. And I'm like, hi, pretending I'm just noticing her, right? And she's like, come over here. Junie's over here. And I'm like, no, I don't want to see Junie Laurie Johnson. No. And she's like, oh, stop it. We all know you actors have to have a side job. And it just calmed me down. Yeah. So she brings me over to Junie and Junie's like, Gloria, oh, we loved your audition. And I'm like, I can't believe these people are at this amazing premiere for 300. And they're literally stopped talking to all these other important people to talk to me about last week's audition. And then Libby said, listen, and this is the part of the story that took me forever to get to. She goes, listen, you were great, but Salma Hayek was always going to hire America Ferrer. Mm. We just had to see other people. But listen, if it wasn't for her, we would have hired you. Oh. And whether, whether that was true or not, 
my soul like just elevated. Yeah. And I thought I did do a good job and it was noticed. And even through my sickness, I did a good job. I didn't get the job, but I got validated. Mm. And I just remembered, I'm not always going to get this validation. I just got lucky to be in the same room as this lady tonight. And she was kind enough to say this to me. But I told myself, moving forward, I have to be okay with what I did in the room, no matter what the results are. Mm -hmm. So it was such a beautiful, like, moral of the story to get after all of this. (laughs) I mean, yeah, you don't, you never get that type of feedback as an actor. There's just not enough time for a casting director to sit there and call every agent and tell them, you know, the feedback of every person that goes in. And so it's wonderful that Libby and Junie pulled you and and told you that. I mean, that's... It's a testament to of how, you know, casting directors really are looking for the perfect person and they're looking out for us because they need us. They need mm-hmm. us to do their job. And sometimes it's situations like that where it's like, you know, they are forced into having to do auditions even though they know that they're going to hire somebody else. And so it's it's that- beautiful when you get that that validation and that, hey, you did great. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing is that you don't know what else they're casting, mm-hmm. right? So I kept auditioning for them for years. I haven't been in in a while. Hopefully this podcast will help me get back Libby, in. Libby, Judy, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> um, but I, w- I keep a list of all my auditions and I notice that their name is on there a lot. So I have auditioned for them a lot. And it's just wonderful that, um, you know, that one audition, which I think was my first got me called in by them a lot and they have huge projects. So yeah, and always. I, think, I don't know, but I think this industry is small enough that people talk. So why wouldn't one casting director call another to yeah. say, I'm des- you know, I'm desperate for this kind of person. Do you have someone? Well, you know, last week I saw this girl, <laughs> right. You know, I'm sure they talk. So. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, we talk, they talk, Here we are come talking. on, <laughs> they talk. Um, <laughs> What a wonderful story. Uh, What is going on now? Do you have anything in the pipeline? What are you working on? Okay, yeah. So literally a week ago, an episode of mine just aired, 911 Los Angeles. Um, So (laughs) friends are still calling and I'm still commenting on the social media. Um, And I'm just cutting that reel. So that's fine. Uh, I also have on Netflix a show called Cyberpunk Edge Runners, which was dubbed into English. Uh, originally in Japanese, and I play a character named Gloria, um, and it's very, weird. I know. I think that's my first Gloria. Um, it's very popular with the anime community, so it's doing quite well. Uh, what else? I don't know. I'm auditioning all the time. <laughs> like, I literally just had an audition yesterday, eight pages, and like, you're an actress, so you get it. Audition, auditioning is our game. Yeah, And then the bookings, we hope they're plentiful, but I feel like they aren't as plentiful as they should be. And yet you've got to look as the audition as your opportunity to act. Yeah. Auditions so, are the job and the, the filming is the fun. <laughs> that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. So yeah, when people ask me what I'm up to, I'm like, oh my gosh, so much. And then I forget the things that I'm up to are like half of them are auditions. <laughs> um, but I also do a lot of voiceover work. Uh, <clears throat> I I voiced 24 episodes of Lego Friends character wow. Officer Laura and um, 
I dub a lot. So mm. I've been dubbing into English. I've never dubbed into Spanish, which is weird because I speak it. But I dub a lot of Spanish into English, Braz- uh, Portuguese into English. Oh. Um, I think I've done German into English. I don't have to speak these languages, obviously, to just tell me what to say. But but it's fun to dub. I love it. I, I You're acting. It just people aren't seeing your face. You're just doing it through your voice. That's so, so fun. Your followers and viewers won't be able to see any of that stuff. But um, some of it's on my IMDb. Like, I think what gets on IMDb is when you voice a principal character. Mm. Um, but a lot of dubbing also is incidental. So, like, I'll voice someone on the television or the radio. And it's a good yeah. day's worth of work. And it helps me as an actor get that health insurance, baby. <laughs> Got to keep that health insurance. Um Amazing. Well, I have so enjoyed talking to you and spending time with you. Uh, where can people follow you on social media to keep up with all your things? Oh, please. So Gloria Gary, you are pretty much everywhere, but I'm most active on Instagram. So yeah, G-A-R-A-Y-U-A. Perfect. Thank you so much for being on the show with me today. Um, it was such a pleasure talking to you and getting Thank to know you, you some, some, some more. Yay. Yes, I can't. And let's hang out after this. I, okay. It's been a pleasure <laughs> chat with you. Thank you so much, Jillian. And good luck to you and happy holidays. Woo. Thanks again to Gloria for coming on the show and spending some time with me. Um, I love that I get to do fun things like these interviews um, and meet people at events and say, hey, let's like spend some time talking. Um, <laughs> It's so fun. So thanks, Gloria. And let's go get a coffee. Uh, Tune in next week. I have a special guest who recently was in the brand new film About Fate with Emma Roberts. Miss Fiki Le Mithwalo will be joining me. And uh, yeah, until then, thanks for coming in. Hello, dear stranger. I'd like to introduce you to something new. Or perhaps something very, very old. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine is a horror fantasy medical mystery following the titular monk turned traveling medical investigator. Follow Radolf as he navigates a nightmare world in which viruses are gods and the human race are not their favored children. Steeped in history and an aesthetic that can only be described as a combination of occult academia and laboratory Judaica, the heresies of Radolf Burntwine have been described as Umberto Echo meets H.P. Lovecraft. For more information, check out the Patreon at thorb.info. But take care, dear stranger, for some truths are best left unknown.